This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Going to talk a short time this morning on a subject uh, we've heard many times, and I think the importance is taken from it simply because of some different ideas that have been thrown out uh, to sort of dismiss this topic. You know, many times when we hear about works, when we hear about the works in, the, in your Christian life, people will simply say, well, that's not a salvation issue, as if to say it doesn't matter. There's no, rec- no expectation of you in any works in your life. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. And I think after we hit, finish the study this morning, you'll see uh, how we do have, God does have expectations of us and that work should play an important role in our lives as we seek to do the will of God. You know, you should never hold to one teaching to the exclusion of another. And I think many times that's what happens when we talk about this subject. Many will say, well, it's all about faith. Faith is what's most important. You know, when you're talking about works, you can't do a study on works or a study on faith without running across works. It doesn't work that way. The two go hand in hand. And if you look in the scriptures and you're looking and doing an honest study on these things, you're going to find if there's faith in your life, then you're going to do the works that God wants you to. And I'm going to say that comes fairly easy to you because of your faith in God, because of your faith that leads you to follow Him. In James 2, verse 17 and 18, it says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Show your faith by your works. That's the idea of of this passage. You know, our, our faith in God leads us, leads us to perform the works He would have us to do because of that faith. It doesn't exclude the works. We don't have faith, so we don't do the things that He would have us to do, the things that make up a Christian life in our spiritual lives. We don't not do those things because of our faith. And this points out, you know what? Show me your faith by your works. And He said, without, faith, without works, then you can't show your faith. It takes faith in God to deal with this world in a way that God would have us to. And the things such as returning good for evil, those things don't come naturally, do they? That's something we have to work on. And our faith leads us to do that in how we would deal with others. You know, we talk about letting our light shine. How does your light shine? Certainly through your faith and people see your faith in God, but also through the works that we do. And that's part of that faith. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 12, it says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that for whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. It speaks specifically of our conversation, doesn't it? That's a work. When we work on our conversation and the things that we participate in and the the conversations that we find ourselves in, and our words speak volumes of our faith and character to others. They can see our character through our conversation. And that's what this uh, passage is speaking to. It refers to recognizing that though the Gentiles may speak evil of you, your works could actually influence them to glorify God. You know, we talk about influencing others and like we talked about, shining that light. 
We can do that through our conversation, and certainly that's a work that God would have us to, to do. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 9 and 10, it says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. It says labor to be expect, accepted. You know, you're judged by our works. These things we see time and time again we're works and there's expectations of us. And we see that through our works. You know, Christianity is not for the faint of heart. It's not an easy life. It's something that we work toward. And we have this lifetime goal. When we talk about certain people have uh, situations or stories they tell about their life's work. You know, as Christians, that is our life's work. Certainly philanthropists, they may have some cause that they, they want to put their money toward and they're, and they're an advocate for that, whether it's helping others in third world countries, whatever it is, and they'll talk about their life work being associated with that. Well, our life work is our service to God, and it takes a lifetime to accomplish that. We have to continually be working toward what God would have us to do. And again, it's a showing of our faith through those works. In Titus 2, verses 7 and 8, it says, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Show good works that no evil can be spoken of you. You know, when you look out into the community and you see someone that's respected in the community, many times it's because of the things that they do, the service that they have to others. And you look up to that person, and many in the community do as well. No one speaks evil of that person, right? Because of their actions, because of the things that they do for others, it wouldn't be appropriate for anyone to have bad things to say about that person. It should be the same for us. When people see us, and they see our light, and they see our faith, and the works that we do, they should have no evil thing to say about us and our service to God. It's... it's Difficult to speak evil of someone who's constantly working for good. In Matthew 5 and verse 16, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, when God is glorified in us, it has an impact on others. You know, we want to do great things and we want to do all of these other things to help to, in our service to God. But one small thing we can do is just do these small things and let our faith be, be seen to others so that it influences them. And if by some small way they recognize God in us, if that has an impact on them, no matter how small works have been done, a good thing for God. And serving others and doing very small things often has a cyclical effect to those around us. You know, I was watching a, a show one time, and they, they did a study, and they would put people in these different situations. You know, it may be a woman that's, that's she's got files scattered all around her, and she's picking those up, and they watch people as they pass by. And sometimes they would help, sometimes they would not. But what they found out was if one person stopped to help, others took an interest. You see, it's easy to ignore those things. It's easy to ignore things, we, good works that we know should be done. But when we see others doing them, it influences us to want to take part in that. And that's what this study showed, that time and time again, if one person stopped to help, typically more joined in. 
You know, we talk of serving God and serving others and laboring for God. Why is any emphasis at all placed on works that they have no bearing on our spiritual lives? Why would any emphasis be placed on that? If it just it was, if it simply came down to faith in God, why would there be any emphasis placed on works? And it's because, it's because good works is supposed to be a part of our spiritual lives. And works can lead us to do the things that God would have us to do. Now keep in mind, I understand, there is only one thing that can save us from our sin, and that's the blood of Jesus. Make no mistake, I hope you don't walk away from here thinking I said anything different, because that is the only thing that can save us. But as we look, there are works that contribute to us coming up to that point, such as in baptism. In Mark 16 and 16, it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. You know, we have to have that belief. If we don't have that belief, we don't move on to the next step, which is baptism. And that's not a work. That's not something that earns us uh, forgiveness of our sin. But it's certainly something that leads us to that point where we come in contact with the blood of Jesus. In Acts 2.38, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What about repentance? Is that a work? Well, certainly it is. And it's not something that will save us, but it's something that leads us to that point where we come in contact with that blood. In Acts 10 and verse 48, it says, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Again, an act of back baptism that leads us to that salvation. In 1 Peter 3.21, it says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the re resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, all of these verses are requiring action, which leads to that salvation. It doesn't cause that salvation, but it does lead to it. So how can we think that faith all alone can save us when we read so many things throughout the Scripture that teach us that doing these proactive things lead us there? You know, it's interesting here that we turn to the book of James oftentimes when we look for inspiring passages about faith. You know, many times it's Hebrews for some people, but a lot of times it's the book of James where people will look there and they want to see inspiring things about faith. But the funny thing about James is it doesn't talk about faith alone. It talks about the works that go along with that faith. In James 1 and verse 2 it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You see, the two go hand in hand, and we see that repeated over and over and over in Scripture. If we keep going in James, we see in verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You know, we have to have faith to ask for that wisdom, don't we? We don't ask for things we don't have faith in. I don't go to a job if I don't have faith that someone's going to pay me to do it, do I? And it's the same here. We don't, ask, we don't pray to God for wisdom if we think it's not going to happen. So here again, an action that leads to what, we were, what it was that we wanted from God. In James 1 and verse 19, 
Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You know, to the average person, faith in God might be enough to enable them to believe this way, to behave this way. You know, that may be enough. But you talk to that person that has a hot temper, somebody that gets mad easily, they will tell you they fight with that continually. It's something in their life every day that's there with them that they have to take action on. And it won't just happen. It's something that they have to do. In James 1 and verse 27, it says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You know, this passage says nothing about faith, does it? It does teach that we should take action and do these other things. So do we assume that faith doesn't have a place because this description of pure religion doesn't include faith? Of course not. As we said in the beginning, we don't take one passage to the exclusion of another. And faith is involved in any of this. Anything that we do in our Christian lives, in our spiritual lives, is, is included in faith. And we shouldn't exclude faith any more than we should exclude works when we study about faith. In James 1, and verse, backing up to verse 26, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. You know, we hear so often that you have, you have to have all of these emotions in order to truly worship. You know, we've heard people say that. But what about that person that's just not an emotional person? Can they not truly worship God? Of course they can. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want to accuse anyone of that. It didn't, wasn't just overcome with emotion to say that your service to God is just not there. Yet we have a passage that says if you can't bridle your tongue, your religion is in vain. And so many times that's overlooked. Yet on the other, we add something to it to say, well, if you're not emotional, then you can't truly worship God. And in this case, we have a, a scripture here that tells us there is another way that that religion could become vain. Yet we don't hear, hear descriptions of that many times. So down to a couple of examples. We find Cornelius in the book of Acts. Verses 10, verses, uh, chapter 10 verses 1 through 8. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. A centurion of the band called the Italian band. A devout man and one, of the, one that feared God with all his house which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called to two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Skipping down to verses 46 and 48. 
For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost all as, as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord and prayed they, they him to ter- tarry certain days. You know, Cor- Cornelius performed the works that were asked of him. He sent them down there. And had he not done those works to do what God had expected of him, none of this would have happened. They couldn't have come in contact with it. So when we say it's only faith or it's only baptism or it's only certain things, we should include it all. If it's an expectation that God has of us, it should have its priority, certainly, but we should include it all and not just omit it and exclude it because of something else. We can read also of Paul in Acts 9, verses 3 through 18. And as he, as he journeyed, he came, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him a bright light from heaven. And he fell onto the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, why art thou, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this name how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call in thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. You know, when he saw the light and heard the voice, no doubt he had faith. We would all have that kind of faith. If you were walking down the street one day and this bright light shone and you heard this voice, certainly we would believe that happened. But it wasn't until he took, did the things that was asked of him that he, he did those things and he was baptized. He had to act on that faith which led him to Christ and eventually a life of servitude to God. And we go through here and we can see time and time again and we can read more and more scripture along these lines that works are as much of a part as faith because faith causes us to do those works. So which is more important this morning, faith or works? Which is it? We can't really tell, can we? Because the two go hand in hand. 
And our faith in God will lead us to do those works that he would have us do. For those things to be a part of our life as we uh, strive to serve him. You don't see one without the other. And we should strive for a balance between the two in our, our lives. In our lives, we should see a balance. And don't accept one to the exclusion of the other. Because we can't work enough to earn anything God has done for us. We need to understand that this morning. These works will not make us straight with God. It's only Jesus that can do that. And we cannot earn our way into heaven. It doesn't work that way. But he has expectations that we should strive to live up to. Christ is the example that was set for us. The persecution he bore, the constant oversight of the apostles, the servitude to others, all of those things were example to us. And all of those were works that were included in his life. And we should live up to that example. Christ was proactive in his life. And if, if we're to follow his example, that example includes faith as well as works. And not just one or the other. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.